This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullah Khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem Wal'asr Innal insana lafi khusr Illa alladhina amanu wa amilu s-salihati wa tawasaw bilhaq وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين ثم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته in the last session, we uh, covered some essentials about the relationship between Iman and action. And we are left now with the final two items in the final ayah of Surah Al-Asr, At-Tawasi Bil-Haq and At-Tawasi Bil-Sabr, these two items. First of all, let's understand that from a, a literary point of view, Allah Azza wa could have said, At-Tawasaw Bil-Haqqi Wa-Sabri. It could have been said in that way and it would still communicate sufficient meaning. But Allah Azza wa and it could have been emphasized a degree above that by having said, That would have been a degree above in emphasis. But then a third degree above that is, So this is the most emphatic form of saying this statement. Where the verb has been repeated and the preposition has been repeated. Because from a bare minimum communication point of view, you could just say the verb but not have to repeat the preposition and not have to repeat the verb again. You know? But the, the fact that this is repeated highlights the importance of both of these items and highlights how critical these actions are. And to add to the fact, something we've mentioned a few times before in this series, just on Suratul Asr, is that when we say, Amilu Salihat, they do righteous deeds or they act, they engage in action that is good, that these are also actions. So they don't technically have to be mentioned. If you would think of it from a minimalist point of view, if you say Amilu Salihat, it includes Tawasi bil Haq and it includes Tawasi bil Sabr. That's the first comment today. The second, we're going to get a little bit deeper into Tawasi bil Haq and then tie it together to the meanings of Wa Amilu Salihat. Because the agenda in the study of this ayah isn't just to understand each item, it's to understand the relationship between these items. So we have to do both of those things. So when we talk about tawasi bil haq, first of all, the linguistic analysis of wasiyah or tawasi is something that was covered in a previous session, but a brief overview, it is to leave a will or a legacy. That's what the word comes from. And when you leave someone a will and a legacy, then already you have the utmost sincerity and genuine concern for the one that's going to be left behind. And there's a sense of urgency in the counsel and the advice that you're going to leave with them. And of course, whatever you leave with them is of great value to them. So these are the embedded meanings in the kind of counsel and advice that one gives when they engage in the act of tawasi. This is different from ikhbar, ikhbar or i'lam, or even ta'li when you're teaching someone or informing someone, or communicating something to someone, or saying something to someone. That's not tawasi. Tawasi has a, a sense of love, genuine concern, 
you're, you're talking to someone in a way that you're, you're really worried about them and you feel like your time is running out. You know, when you're leaving a will, your time is, you don't have much time left. So you have this sense of urgency, I need to get these things to you and I need to make sure you understand these things before I don't have that opportunity to give you this counsel anymore. These are the embedded meanings of a tawasi. But then the phrase bilhaq can be understood in three ways. This, the preposition ba in bilhaq can be understood in three ways. And each of those three ways come together to formulate the full meaning of this expression. First of all, the ba here can be understood as an adverb. It could be an adverbial phrase. What that would mean in English is, they counsel each other, they give tawasi, they enjoin each other is the common translation, right? but they counsel each other with utmost sincerity, truthfully. In other words, not instead of saying with truth or to truth, I translated it as truthfully. I made it an adverb. In other words, when they do that counsel to one another, they are extremely truthful when they do it. They don't, they don't water down or they don't shy away from telling the truth. And they're extremely sincere and honest in their counsel. A lot of times when you're trying to, sell, to give someone advice, you would think twice before telling them the whole truth because you think, I don't know how they're going to feel about it. You're not going to be entirely truthful when you do it. But here what we're learning, the first thing we're learning is, because it's adverbial, this could be hal also bin haq. What we're learning here is, the manner in which you communicate this counsel is truthful and sincere. It has sincerity in it and has complete honesty in it. That's the first thing. Bilhaq can also be understood if you want to compare it to an English expression. It could be with truth. With truth. And here we understand the tafsir of several sahaba who said, the truth here could, for example, Qatada says the truth here refers to the Qur'an, or the truth here refers to Tawheed, or to Revelation, or to the legacy of Rasulullah What this means is when you counsel someone, you counsel them with Qur'an. In other words, when you're giving each other counsel and reminder, you remind them by means of what? An ayah. You remind them by means of the words of the Messenger You know, how would he have done this? What did he say about this situation? What did Allah say about this? You know, somebody's losing hope. How do you do tawasi bil haq to them? You say, Ya akhi, Ya ibadi alladhina asrafu ala anfusihim, la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Don't you know Allah says, my slaves who have you know, violated against their own selves, don't lose hope in Allah's mercy. You've done tawasi bil haq with the truth. You've enjoined them, counseled them with the truth, by means of the truth, another way of looking at it, by means of the truth, implying by means of the Qur'an itself. It becomes the means by which we give each other counsel and advice. The third meaning is to the truth. So we have truthfully, we have with the truth, and then there is also the final, to the truth. In other words, this implies there's a person who is you know, uh, losing zeal, and they're losing their energy in doing the work for the sake of Allah. One of the ways, you know, one of the benefits of the placement of this phrase in the surah is, these people already have iman, and they're already doing good deeds. But they're running out of gas. So you have to remind them, look, there's, let's, there's, there's the truth ahead. Don't, don't lose sight of that ultimate truth, that we have to stand before Allah Azza wa you can remind each other, counsel each other with the reminder of the goal. Because when you say to be in the meaning of ilah here, in the meaning of ilah, what that would imply is you're reminding them of the goal for which they're engaged in this struggle. So these are the three benefits of just the ba in watawasaw bil haq. The word al haq is understood also. Just the word al haq is understood in three ways. So these were the three benefits of the ba, but now three benefits of just the word al haq. Al-Haq is understood linguistically as something you know to be true for sure, for which you don't have to be told. Something that deep inside your conscience, you just know it's true. 
So this, this implies when they counsel each other, they counsel each other to something that their conscience already agrees with. They're not, they're not being told someone that doesn't sit well with them. Deep down inside, they know that what we, they're being told is true. This is the first meaning of al-haq. The second is that which can be proven true by means of evidence. In other words, you tell them something and they say, I never heard that before. I don't feel that it's true. But sometimes you tell them and they feel that it's true. But sometimes they say, I don't know. I've never heard that before. At that point, what do you have to give them? Evidence. One meaning of haq is that which can be proven by means of evidence. And these things are connected. So what's the ultimate evidence that you provide someone? That something is true or false. It is revelation itself. Right? So that's the second benefit. And the third is very important. The Arabic word haq is used also when you have an obligation. When you have an obligation that you owe. It's also used in the meaning of rights. You know? When you, for example, Allah, we've heard the phrase hukukullah or hukukul ibad. Right? These words, these, these phrases, uh, you know, or haqqan ala al-muttaqeen, as Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, haqqan ala al-muttaqeen, are right, an obligatory right, whose duty you must fulfill, binding upon those people who have taqwa. What this means is, you counsel each other, reminding people of their responsibilities. That counsel that happens, people sometimes forego their responsibilities. They don't take care of business, basically. The essential things they must do. So tawasi bil haqq, in this case, can become something as simple as, a husband who's not doing his job as a husband. And you tell him, look, you have responsibilities. You married this woman. She has some rights over you. This, is also, this also now becomes tawasi bil haqq. Somebody's not doing justice to their parents. And now you're telling them, you have obligations to your parents. You have obligations to Allah. You have obligations that you stand before Him at the right time for prayer. In the salata, كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابَ مَوْقُوتًا This also becomes tawasi bil haqq. Meaning an encouragement to each other to remind them of their responsibilities. So much is embedded in these two, these, this, these three word phrase, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقْ In these three words. Now let's understand how this is connected to what already came. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And now this is the third item, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقْ It's very simple. If you think of, most, most people think of good deeds as something that applies only to themselves. A good deed is I pray, I give charity, I do good, I don't, I don't use bad words, I don't do this or that or the other. I stay away from bad things and I try to do good things. In other words, people associate good deeds with things that they have to do themselves. But you know we have two kinds of deeds. Deeds that impact us and deeds that impact others. There are two kinds of deeds. When you make salah, who does it impact? You, yourself. When you give sadaqah, it impacts you, but it also impacts someone else. When you lie, it impacts you, but it also impacts someone else. Now the thing is, if everybody just, if you just worried about the good things that impact you, right? And you didn't take much concern that people around you are doing things, they're, they're not fulfilling their responsibilities, and them not fulfilling their responsibilities doesn't just hurt them, who else does it hurt? Others also. You have an obligation to others who are being hurt. You have an obligation to speak up and stand up and say the truth. You have to do it. And this is a matter of uh, you know, human decency. The simplest example of this you can think of. And it, it really takes courage to do that. To speak up when you say somebody else might be harmed if I don't say something. Right? This is part of tawasi bil haq. I should genuinely counsel this person because if I don't, it will end up harming someone else. You know, you're walking down the street, a couple of kids are playing baseball in the middle of the street. And they're hitting the ball really hard and it's bouncing off of other people's cars. Is this, a, you know, is this an acceptable thing to do? No. 
they're hurt, they're, they're damaging other people's property. So the thought crosses your mind, maybe I should uh, tell them to stop. Maybe I should do some tawasi bil haqq. Right? You guys shouldn't do this. But then the thought crosses your mind, maybe if I tell them to stop playing baseball, I'll become the ball. You know, they won't use the bat with the ball, they'll use it with me. I'll take a beating by opening my mouth. This, it's a small example. On a bigger level, it could be something in the family. Your father is doing something wrong. Your mother, your daughter, your sister, your wife, some, or husband, somebody's doing something wrong in the family. They're doing an injustice. They're not giving the mahar. Or they're not giving the right amount in inheritance. And it's happening in front of your eyes. And you say to your, your inner conscience, I should say something. I should say this is wrong. But then you think, what are the consequences? They're gonna, they're gonna, I'm going to get yelled at. They're going to think I'm so you know, arrogant. They're going to stop talking to me. You know, there are lots of other consequences. So you know whenever you start speaking about the truth, what comes to mind? These other consequences. But Allah Azza wa has relieved us or, or removed these fears from us because all of our fears and our worries are removed when Allah says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا That first part. When you have iman, what happens? Who are you afraid of now? Only Allah. Only Allah. And when you do righteous deeds, then that iman only gets strengthened. And when that iman is strengthened, it is only, e- it's, it is only then that it's easy for you to do tawasi bil haq. And if you find it difficult to do tawasi bil haq, you know what that means. That means that there's, the iman is not strong enough. The iman isn't strong enough. The, the, the two things become tied to each other. The courage to speak up and stand for the truth is directly connected to iman. It's directly connected to it. <coughs> the final item... By the way, in, in, as far as the two things being connected, listen to these hadith. This is narrated by Anas and Sahih Muslim. Now actually, let's look at the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri first. مَنْ رَأَى مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرْهُ بِيَدِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ فَبِلِسَانِهِ فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ وَذَلِكَ أَضْعَفُ الْإِيمَانِ Not أَضْعَفُ الْعَمَلْ but أَضْعَفُ الْإِيمَانِ he says, who sees, whoever sees a bad thing happen, he should change it with his hand. This is tawasi bil haq too. If he can't do it, he should change it with what? He should try to change it with his tongue. He should speak up against it. If he can't even do that, he should at least feel bad about it in his heart. And that would be the weakest case of iman. Allah didn't say, that would be the weakest course of, or the messenger didn't say, that would be the weakest course of action. It would be the weakest faith. So he connected the idea of encouraging people to stick to the truth and to do something about being truthful, he connected that to, directly to iman. Just like this surah does, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And then immediately, وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ The three become connected. <coughs> then the, the final thing in regards to this, is tawasi bil haq happens, uh, just the use of the word tawasi, it comes from tafa'ul, which implies cooperation. So this happens within your community. This is talking about something that this conversation is happening within your community, within your family, within the circle of Muslims, within those who claim to have iman, and do righteous deeds. So this tawasi bil haq begins here, and then goes beyond that. So when we talk about encouraging, you know, you know, sharing the truth with non-Muslims or our non-Muslim neighbors and the society at large, all of that is true. But where does it begin? It begins within our own household, and that's the hardest place to begin. But this is really the place where we have to begin this tawasi bil haq. You have to look at the injustices and the wrongs and the violations of the basic principles of iman that may be happening in your own family and you have to speak out against them. 
it is much easier for me to sit behind a table and a mic and a camera and speak about these things to strangers. Much harder to speak these things in front of family. Much, much, much harder. It takes a lot more courage. It takes a lot more patience. Which leads me to the next point. When you do this work, it will require and necessitate patience. So Allah Azza wa Jal concludes this surah by saying, وَتَوَاصَوْ sabr. The word sabr means several things. And in English, it's kind of unfair to translate it as patience. So first, let's comment on what the several meanings of sabr are. It's, it certainly includes patience, but it includes perseverance. Perseverance implies when things become difficult, you still hang on, you still keep going, chugging along. This is persevering. It also implies commitment. In other words, you never get lazy, you never slack off. You remain committed, like you're committed to getting to work on time every day. Or you're committed to handing the assignment before it's due. Commitment. It also implies constancy. In other words, your commitment doesn't fluctuate, it doesn't go up and down. It's the same. You know, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in defining sabr, he said, it is to have the same level of obedience to Allah in ease or in difficulty. If you can have the same level of obedience to Allah, whether times are easy or they are difficult, then you have exercised the quality of a sabr. That's what sabr is. So now, but Allah doesn't say, وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ sabaru. This is very important. They encouraged each other and counseled each other to the best of their ability, with sincerity, truthfully, to the truth and to the obligations that they owe. And Allah didn't continue by saying, and they were patient in doing so. He didn't just say they were patient. He went a step further and said, وَتَوَاصَوْ sabr," Which teaches us something huge. Not only is sabr included now, meaning they were patient, they were perseverant, they remained constant, but they encouraged each other in remaining patient and constant and persevering. You know what that teaches us? You cannot keep your sabr. You need someone to counsel you and give you strength and say, listen, you need to have sabr. We need, we need to feed, sabr feeds off of each other. You know, the strength comes from the other. You will lose heart on your own. It is, a, it is na- a natural tendency of human beings when they're engaged in a frustrating situation, the most, the most active of the Muslims. The most righteous of the Muslims, they're doing good things. And then somebody insults them, or somebody doesn't appreciate what they do. And bad things happen, even in Islamic work, and they lose heart. The good, good people, who know this better than I do? Even then you have to go to that scholar, go to that imam, go to that activist, that da'i, that teacher, whoever he may be. And you have to go tell them, listen, you have to have sabr. And when you go and remind them in this way, does it benefit them? It does. Even though they already know this. Even though they already know about sabr, they, already, they, they still benefit from this kind of tawasi. So tawasi bis sabr is something that happens mutually, and this is something that happens, uh, that, that is necessary for these things to, to have been met. And if we're not engaged, you know, tawasi bil haqq may be to the adverse. And tawasi bis sabr is to those who are now trying to do tawasi bil haqq, but losing heart, they're not seeing results. Among each other, how do they keep their strength going? By counseling each other with perseverance. Sabr, you know, uh, the way it's described in the most simple terms is ala al-masa'ib, meaning you have to be patient, perseverant, remain constant, no matter how difficult things get. Wasbir ala ma asabak, persevere, no matter what calamity falls upon you. That's one meaning. The other is, you know, anil ma'asi, meaning you will be tempted, those who do work for this deen, in any capacity, whether you're trying to serve this deen inside your house, outside, you're trying to do da'wah to non-Muslims, set up a charity, whatever you're trying to do for Islam, guess who shaitan's after? The people who are trying to serve this deen. So that he will tempt them, 
with disobedience to Allah in their private moments more than anyone else. They are more susceptible. They are more under attack. So you have to have sabr from falling into disobedience to Allah. And then you have to have sabr on the obedience to Allah. Meaning obedience to Allah can become difficult. And you have to remain perseverant. And you have to, you know, there are among us, these are real stories. This is not some theory. Allah speaks to us, He talks about us, and He knows what kind of lives we lead. Fihi dhikrukum. And it is your own mention. You know, there are brothers and sisters even who are very active in some Islamic activity. They're, they're doing a lot of good things. But then they have some really bad habits, really evil habits. And it's a problem, they're addicted to them. They need, you know what they need? They need tawasi bis sabr. They need somebody else constantly counseling them and saying, listen, you need to persevere, you need to hold on. The final few things I want to share with you in, in regards to these, the sequence of these four items. Uh, the, the first comment is all of these are mentioned in the past tense. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ amanu, Past tense. وَعَمِلُوا Past tense. وَتَوَاصَوْ وَتَوَاصَوْ All past tense. What's the benefit of that? What's the difference between saying that and saying, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ وَيَعْمَلُونَ صَالِحَاتٍ Why not mention it in the present tense? Mentioning it in the past tense implies these are people who lived their entire life doing it and until the moment they died. So you can look back at their entire life and you can, you'll, you'll be able to say, yes, they fulfilled the rights of iman. Yes, when you look at their life, you say, they, these people did good. And they did tawasi bil haq and they did tawasi bil sabr. In other words, you know, this is almost a fulfillment of the ayah, وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُ Don't you dare die except that you're Muslims. When you're looking back at their life, you don't say they used to be good and then they failed, tapered off. Until the end of their life, they were committed, so you can look back at them and say, they fulfilled all four of these things. So by mentioning them in the past, it is an illustration that their entire life represents these behaviors, until death came to them. These are the people. In other words, you can never just stop. You can never just look, you, you have to reach the point where you can look back, or, or people will look back at your entire life and be able to say, all these four conditions were met. This is the, the second benefit. And the final thing, and probably one of the most important things in regards to this discussion on Suratul Asr, is the following. You know how the Ba had several benefits? With Haq, we talked about that. Similarly, when they do Tawasi bis Sabr, when they're encouraging each other, they're doing it with patience. They're doing it with patience. And when they're encouraging each other, they're doing it to patience. So what's, this, what's the difference between saying, I'm advising you with patience, am I, and I'm advising you to patience. And so, so this is two separate things. Two patience and perseverance. The way in which I give you this counsel also requires patience. I have to be patient in giving this counsel to you. You can't just have some brother, you know. You have to be very patient and you have to be very forbearing in dealing with people that are suffering from you know, or lack of obedience to Allah. You have to have counsel for them, right? You have to be patient with them in doing this, this kind of counsel to them. But also, what are you encouraging them to, to develop? Patience itself, themselves. So the way you deliver it requires patience and what you're calling them to itself is a sabr, this constancy, this perseverance. Actually, there's one last thing that came in my head and I should just mention it. These four things are a litmus test of each other. That's the last thing we'll say. These four things are a litmus test of each other. In other words, if somebody is, if, if somebody loses sabr, if somebody loses sabr, then they won't really be able to do tawasi bil haq. 
Why not? Because as soon as they try to tell people the truth, people will say things they don't want to hear. And when people say things they don't want to hear, things get difficult, they will say, I don't want to deal with this. When you say, I don't want to deal with it, I'm walking away, I can't handle it. What is, what is that a lack of? That's a lack of sabr. So the fact that someone doesn't encourage to the truth, actually already illustrates there's a lack of sabr. There's a lack of sabr. And the other thing that this illustrates is, somebody might think they're calling to the truth. But nobody has a problem with what they're saying. Somebody's called, they think they're calling to the truth. But nobody's offended by what they have to say. Nobody gets up and gives them a hard time about it. You know what that means? That the, the fact that your apparent tawasi bil haq didn't require sabr, you know what that means? You probably aren't doing tawasi bil haq. Because the, most, the softest, most gentlest of people on the face of this earth, when they call to the truth, they got in trouble. They got in trouble. It is a necessary consequence of doing this job. Whether, you know, and the most patient of the, of the, the Rusul of Allah, right? Alayhi wasallatu wasalam, look at Nuh alayhi salam. It is a lifetime of da'wah, but it's also a lifetime of what? Sabr. Right? Because it required, what he did, what he called for, led people to, uh, you know, to insult him, to humiliate him, to be against him, and that necessitates sabr. And the lack of both of these things, when you're not calling to the truth, then there's no need for you to show or, or illustrate sabr. All this last component, you know, if, you don't, if somebody doesn't do it, what is that a proof? What's missing? When they don't call to the truth, and of course, then there's no need for sabr anyway. What is that a sign of? There's a lack of what? The first two conditions, iman and righteous deeds. Because until you yourself do righteous deeds, you will not see the ugliness of evil deeds. If you're not doing righteous deeds yourself, you don't see what the big deal is in doing bad things. But when you start becoming, you will know this for sure. Maybe you were a party animal before and you made tawbah and you started obeying Allah. When you start obeying Allah, you see somebody else partying, it bothers you. It hurts. It didn't hurt before, but now it hurts. How can they do that? I have to stop them. I made this mistake, I don't want them to make that mistake. It hurts you now. So the fact that it doesn't hurt, so you never feel the need to say, actually illustrates that you are not committed to good deeds. And if you're not committed to good deeds, it means you don't really have what? Iman. So all of these things are lazim wa malzum. They are necessary consequences of each other and coherently connected with each other. I took a lot of extra time explaining this one surah. From just, when we started from Surah Al-Naba, it was one session each, session each. But this session, this is the fourth session on Surah Al-Asr. And finally, alhamdulillah, we've come to the conclusion. Why? Simply because I feel this is the shortest surah. This is the surah that is easiest to memorize. Most of us know it by heart. But this is also the heaviest surah. This is the heaviest, heaviest surah. It, is, it will change the way you look at your life. It will change the way you look at your, you think about your family, think about your daily activities, what you've accomplished, what you haven't accomplished. Most importantly, it will change the way you think about success and failure. It will change, change your attitude towards all of these things. You know how uh, uh, Dr. Fadl Saleh Hassan al-Ra'i argues that the beginning of a surah is always rhetorically connected to its ending. The beginning of a surah is always tied to its ending. What's the beginning of the surah? One ayah, wal asr. The point of which is to illustrate that your time is running out. And the last ayah has four activities that we've been discussing over the last two sessions. You know how you tie these two things together? Your time to get serious about iman and action and tawasi bil haq and tawasi bil sabr is what? Is running out. You better get your act together. This is a state of emergency for you personally. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. You understand this as, as inna nafsi, I myself. 
am in trouble. I am in, in loss. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us of those who successfully fulfill the conditions of Surah Al-Asr. Allahumma ja'alna min al-lazina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasaw bil-haq wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Barakallahu li wa lakum fi al-Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil-ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.